Hey guys, I'm Pete. And I'm Alex. And you're listening to the Kick Push Pivot Podcast. I'm a former Fortune 500 consultant dedicated to the idea of innovation and growth. And I used to manage marketing tours for the Rolling Stones, focused on creating one-of-a-kind customer experiences. On this podcast, we interview people faced with the decision to kickstart innovation, push through doubt, or pivot to something new. We hope you find something inspiring or encouraging as you listen. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kick, Push, Pivot. We have a special guest today, David McNeil, who is the president and COO of Patient Pop. I'll let him dive into his story. But before we do that, Alex, my co-host, is here to join as well. Alex, say hi to the people. How are we doing, everybody? Glad to be back again for another episode of KPP. Excited about this one. That's right. It'll be a good one today. And so, David, we've uh, we've just started our journey together in conversation. But already, I'm excited about today's conversation about your journey into um, where you are now with Patient Pop. So, if you could just introduce yourself and give us a little bit of a background on what Patient Pop is, we're then going to rewind and take you back to the beginning and hear your story. Great. Well, thanks for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be here as well, and it's been such a pleasure getting to know you guys. So uh, again, I'm, I'm president and COO of Patient Pop. Joined them just about a year ago now. And Patient Pop is basically a, a growth platform for private and small group practices in the medical space. I love it. And uh, you know, when we were talking earlier today, I wanted to dig in a little bit about where you've come from, what your journey has been. So, can you share with our audience kind of where you grew up and how you kind of came to be uh, in this role you are today? Uh, yeah, it's a long and short story, but I, I, uh, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts. I ended up going down to school down in uh, University of Alabama, just for all the wrong reasons, kind of went away to experience something different. I got roll away from family for a little bit and a roll tide is right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and kind of came out of school with a, uh, the finance degree and started as a credit analyst in a bank in, in the basement of Alabama and decided after a couple of years that that's not what I want to do with my life. So pivoted and started to pursue a a career in technology Uh, at the time, kind of worked back for a a big technology company, did that for a few years, and then ultimately had the opportunity to to work with a a younger startup company called Sapient. Joined them and they had about 350 people, helped grow them uh, 10X over five years to over 3,500 people. Uh, The company went public. It was just an amazing growth experience, went from being you know, U.S. only to a global company. It was just a lot of fun. I learned a lot um, and and really just fell in love with growth and, um, and tech. You know, for family reasons, we decided to kind of pull back from, from that world for a bit. And I pivoted and went to North Carolina uh, with my family. We actually started a family uh, down there and worked in uh, banking for, for a number of years. And uh, I did that for, let's say, about 10 years in total, going from tech strategy to uh, sales leadership, sales strategy and sales leadership. And, you know, I just missed tech. So I uh, had an opportunity to kind of pick my head up and figure out what I wanted to do in my life. And uh, with kind of the advice of my family, decided to uh, get back to tech and my real passion and went over and joined Salesforce and, uh, and joined them at a senior leadership level. I was there for about three years and uh, it was an amazing experience, like seeing a company of that size and scale having the impact that they had living Living in that world uh, really reinvigorated me. Uh, due to a family medical situation, I had to kind of move from California back to Massachusetts, 
to support some family and decided kind of at that point, you know, it was best for me to kind of look local. Uh, again, what a blessing. I ended up finding HubSpot when they were about $80 million uh, in revenue and uh, was with them for about six and a half years uh, in all types of executive leadership roles and helped grow the company from that to just under a billion dollars just as I left. And then uh, was fortunate to be recruited into to Patient Pop. That's where I am now. Okay. I'm not going to let you off that easy because you did confess how you ended up changing <laughs> your job from Bank of America back into the startup world, which I think is is a very interesting one as well. So would you mind sharing with the audience kind of how that came about? Because it's a pretty big shift, or should I say pivot, to move there from we go. large large corporation back into the startup world, because there is a little bit of a, of a gamble there, a little bit of a risk. Yeah, you know, it was uh, what I'd share with you is I was um, at my daughter's school, I think at the time she was in kindergarten and uh, was going through and they had kind of was presenting out to, you know, what what your family members do. And I remember at the time my daughter was saying, basically, I sold business cards because she saw Bank of America credit cards in people's wallets. And that's what they used. And that was her relationship with it. And I at that time just realized, you know, I don't think I'm living my best life and I'm certainly not inspiring my, my kids to, to do, you know, what what they they can do in life. And so uh, I really just within probably a week's period of time said, you know, I, I need to get back to what I really love, which is tech and and really show the kids that you can actually build a company and have real impact on the world. And uh, and so I pursued that dream and was fortunate enough to find, you know, two of the greatest companies in the world to work for and, and do that. And that they've been a real big part of that experience with me. They, they come into the company, they know the brand, they know, you know, have a much better idea of what I do. And, you know, they've met a lot of people that, that work for me over the years and uh, it's been great. Wow. That's awesome. And when you say you come in and you help companies grow, what exactly does that mean? I mean, obviously there's got to be a marketing piece to that, but what exactly would it be like a day-to-day or what kind of responsibilities did you have um, in growing those companies? Yeah, most of so back at both Salesforce and HubSpot and now at, at PatientBot, you know, I lead, you know, a lot of the growth engine. So um, when I was at Salesforce, I was leading all the biz dev functions. So basically the outbound prospecting for for the company, how do we take message to market through, you know, what when originally was 110 person organization, I grew it to just under 300 people in three years. And then when I joined uh, HubSpot, I actually drove basically their go-to-market strategy for the for the whole revenue engine. Um, and that then led to me running the global partner program for them and then ultimately leading all of North America sales uh, for the business. And so wow. mostly running kind of strategy sales. And then um, now at PatientPop, I oversee everything related to the go-to-market function. So everything related to how we market to our to our prospects, our customers, to uh, leading our sales team for how we engage those customers and bring them through uh, the funnel and get them to really commit to, you know, working with patient pop. And then ultimately the customer success organization that brings them onboards them, sets them up for success and then continues to support them over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I also own kind of the growth strategy. So where, and how are we going to expand and through different revenue channels uh, as we look to grow, uh, grow the company. Amazing. Got it. And when you're maybe switching around to different, uh, different locations, different companies, you've been with quite a few at this point. Is there anything that you look for when maybe going to work with a group, going to work with a company? 
um, that says this company's primed for growth? Like maybe is there a cultural value? Is there something that um, they allow that they allow your team to do that kind of spurs on that growth? It's, there's got to be something that kind of differentiates. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I've been fortunate in that I can be a little bit selective. You know, I, I like the stage of growth where a company has really found, you know, product market fit. And that typically happens between any, it can happen, you know, 20 to 50 million or 50 million to 70 million. Mm -hmm. Um, But they effectively understand the market, the opportunity they have, you know, you know, a number of customers, a number of case studies, a number of success stories. They built an organization and now it's about scale. Got it. And so, you know, in this particular case, you know, and it was similar when I joined HubSpot. I mean, they're almost exactly in the same spot as a growth stage, you know, less right around kind of 500 people or so plus or or minus, you know, they've gotten to this point through, um, you know, kind of their, their own efforts and they've proven the market has a real opportunity for them to succeed. And they just have to figure out how to now take that and really scale it, kind of break that hundred million mark, uh, which effectively kind of puts them in the unicorn status uh, and then with that, they typically get a next round of funding or go public. Uh, and then that infuses more growth into the company. And then it's a, you know, it's kind of a sprint to a, to a billion. And it's not just dollars. I, I say those reference points as, um, as points that you kind of work through, but it's really like, it's basically the opportunity for the, for the market to vote on you, right? You're yeah. the number of right. customers that you have saying, you know, all right, this is, this is real. This is impactful. This is viable. And you kind of build that community network effect. Um, and then when you get to the public, it's like, okay, now the investor community at large is saying, okay, I see where this fits in and it matters and they vote with their, with their wallets. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, they're really important points to kind of bring validity to like, okay, what we're doing and that validity, it drives, you know, fuels the, fuels the growth because then you get more, you know, reputation value in the market. People understand where you fit in. They see your, you know, the market's voting on you and, you know, voting, you know, plus one and they're, and they're saying, okay, I want to be part of that, that growth story. That's awesome. You're on it. You're like, you're on it for the most exciting part. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And all, all this because of your, uh, of your daughter presenting in a class, which you managed to overhear. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, kind of reminds me of, uh, of a good joke. And here we go. Here we go. Warning. Dad joke moment. (laughs) It's coming. You know, what did the director of marketing for Oreo do on his first day of work split Ooh, did i get it no he enabled he enabled cookies come on (laughs) come on dang it i thought i finally had one i thought you did that was good actually i like the split one you can you can take you can take both those home with you if you want uh uh, david that's great but uh you know it's interesting going all the way from these technology kind of giants and unicorns to landing to patient pop where you are now, because in some ways it's similar because it's, you know, technology driven, it's growth focused, but there's also a personal story there too, right? For you and your family, as it relates to the types of people you help with the marketing technology and, and services you guys provide for me- for medical offices. Yeah. You know, uh, when I was with Salesforce, it was, you know, a disruptive market, right? They were basically creating, you know, the cloud for businesses. Um, and then I went to HubSpot and they were really servicing this broad-based, you know, SMB kind of mid-market space, which was awesome, right? Helping these small businesses become viable. And then I, you know, I heard about, you know, PatientPop and learned about it. And like, it's actually 
similar, but really more impactful, right? It's really helping these physicians and these doctors that have bet on themselves uh, growing a more effective, small and mid-sized practice. And I've had a, a number of family medical situations that have come up over the you know, last what, five to 10 years uh, in mental health and cancer and um, in other areas. And I've always found that these small to mid-sized practice and providers really cared more deeply about um, the services they're providing. They're, they're more impactful to my family. And so when I heard about the opportunity, it was in healthcare and I really didn't have a lot of experience in healthcare. And at, initially it was like, well, is that a space that I want to play in? And then I started to reflect back on my experience with doctors and who had the most direct impact on me and my family. And I realized that it actually was these small providers. And, and the reality is that while they're amazing physicians, they struggle with the business aspects, right? That's yeah, all new and totally. different and, and complex for them. They weren't, they didn't go to school for that. And so if we could provide a platform that basically was plug and play that allowed them, you know, to grow a more successful and sustainable business, they can stay private, right? They can grow the business that they wanted to. And, and if they can do that, then, you know, there's more of them around in the community helping more people. And so that's kind of where I was like, wow, there's such an amazing connection here. Similar size company, similar growth story in a similar space, solving, solving for the smaller mid-sized businesses, but in an area that I, I could really get my uh, my heart around, which which really mattered. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and I know that you mentioned as well that your 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 wife, your ex-wife passed away from various forms of cancer. So for you and your kids who had to experience that, they probably got to know the doctors and the doctor's offices pretty well, I imagine, through those repeated visits, consultations, all that kind of stuff. So in some ways, it becomes almost like an extension of your life story, right? These physicians that are part of your life at those most critical moments when you need help and you need guidance. It's very personal. Yeah, a thousand, thousand percent. And it, it, it matters to me. It's funny that you know if I now go through you know, the employee network and the people that have you know been really successful at patient pop, and it's all types, but a lot of them have you know family members that have been impacted you know through medical health over the years. They've got you know family members that are physicians. They grew up. You know, one of their parents is a physician. So uh, it's, you know, it's really cool to see the connection for a lot of people that, that work here. I love that. I love that. So tell us a little bit more about the type of people that you help now that we've landed at patient pop. So you mentioned, you know, small, medium sized medical offices, but are there certain like verticals you work with in that space, certain specialties? Um, is there certain areas of the country that you like to work with? Can you give us a little insight into like the nitty gritty behind Patient Pop's customer base, and then maybe about what you guys do? Maybe an example of how you've helped somebody. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we service most medical practices out there, all types of specialties. Uh, so it's there's specialties, there's primary care, there's dental, uh, and then there's other you know types of practices. Let's say med spa and, and uh, chiropractors and such. Uh, we mostly you know orient ourselves to to medical primary care and dental, um, but we do service some others. The in the idea, and it's all sizes up to, you know, let's say from a single provider practice all the way up to 50 plus provider practices. So we, we cover okay. a pretty broad gamut. Very broad. Uh, I would say, you know, kind of where we come in is, you know, these, these providers are trying to figure out how to represent themselves in a new digital world, right? The, mm -hmm. the world has changed from a lot of times from where, when and where they started their business, right? They, 
they had a friend of theirs prop up a website, you know, it was kind of a, you know, in their mind, it was just kind of putting a shingle or a, a sign on the door. And that was the extent of what they did. And then they focused on growing their business. And the reality is uh, patients today, you know, the way they find providers is through the internet. <clears throat> and so uh, if they really want to be able to be found as a practice, um, they need to be represented differently uh, through all digital presence, right? And that's that's a combination of their website. It's how um, they're found on search. It's how their, their profiles are represented uh, across the internet to make sure all of that stuff is consistent. So then when somebody's looking at them, it all reconciles. And, and most importantly, that when Google's looking at it, Google is indexing it saying, yes, all of these connection points make sense and they're, they're relatable. And therefore I give more credibility to this business and I put it higher in the ranking mm. than another business that has a lot of disparate uh, choppy information. And so, you know, that's really our job is to first and foremost help these practices get found. Uh, but really it's, it's beyond that, right? So you can get found, but if ultimately a patient finds you, um, you, you need to, you need to convert them into a patient, right? And how do you convert them? You need to be able to book an appointment with them. You need to have a conversation with them. And again, the preferences for patients over time has dramatically changed, right? They don't want to be, you know, not going in and knocking on a door and saying, I've got an appointment or making a phone call. They want to interact through digital means, right? They want to be able to book an appointment online through an online booking widget. They want to be able to text a practice and have a, a direct communication with them. They want to be able to call. And if that if doctor is not available, they want to be able to have somebody pick that up, you know, whether it's through a text communication and redirect it to something like that um, or, you know, an easy way that they can get back in touch uh, with somebody proactively following up with them. So we've over the, over time have evolved much more into the, you know, not only a, 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 a platform that helps practices get found, but also what, how to manage the patient communication engagement all the way up to and, and post appointment. So everything you would need to really interact with that patient all the way through, you know, booking the appointment, confirming the appointment, filling out digital forms, um, leading up to the appointment. And then, you know, once the appointment happens, following up with that uh, patient to make sure that appointment went well, asking them for feedback, providing other follow-up, you know, recommendations for them of what they should do, and then bring them back in, right? So request that, you know, you've got a follow-up appointment, let's confirm the date and, and close that loop. So we provide all of the tools and resources for a practice to do that in, in all in a kind of an all in one comprehensive solution. Wow. That's really interesting, especially the the search engine optimization piece of it for me, because I wasn't really familiar with how that all worked. I kind of assumed that it was like, you know, the highest bidder gets the uh, the top spot on Google. But it's interesting <laughs> that you say it's not that it's it's probably part of that, but it's also. Google kind of going in and seeing that they have all the necessary resources and, and how everything connects. Um, and yeah. so like it, the experience. I mean, Google is, it, it's a ranking system. So Google is actually democratic. It's like, it's, it's hard to see and you don't see that because the first section is in Google is now paid ads. Right. But if you go just below that, there are two other sections. Uh, one is, you know, um, what we call a local stack, which is find a, a physician near me. Um, and that is about geolocation and in uh, context. So if I'm looking for a, you know, a certain type of, of specialist, an orthopedic surgeon in my area, you need to be able to be found as an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, you need to know where your location is. And believe it or not, the, your uh, reviews and reputation are another major factor in how you're found in that local stack. So mm -hmm. do you have credible reviews? 
do you, how many reviews do you have and how frequently are they, are they updated and or do you respond to them? And that all um, determines how you found in that, that first section, which you call local stack. Then below that is, you know, Google's traditional ranking and traditional ranking is everywhere they look, do they see that you're credible? And if they see the, the more times that they see you reference and that you're credible for something like orthopedic surgeon surgery, then they give you a check mark. Like, okay. Like, say, like if you show up mark. in an article or something like that, if you show up in an article, somebody else references you, they look mm-hmm. at, look at other um, related places in the internet. And it's all saying, you know, Bob Smith is, or Sally is, um, you know, an orthopedic surgeon in this year, then it, it brings credibility. And then the more you build that credibility, the higher you, you rank in getting found for those services in that geography. So it's, you know, it's pretty cool what, again, it's hard for people to understand that have been in the industry that, you know, the smallest business in the world with the right SEO can compete with the largest, you know, other business sure. in the world. So these That's small amazing. to mid-sized practices can, can compete head to head in a democratic way with large hospitals by, you know, spending a fraction of the dollars by just doing it right. Yeah. Have you seen, um, have you seen a big change in terms of demographics? or the use of digital during COVID because there's such a heavier virtual component because obviously people can't physically go places as much. Plus people have more free time, right? More downtime working from home or maybe not working because they're, you know, in between jobs. It's uh, it must be a more powerful, potent thing I would imagine. Yeah. You know, it's, it is. It's so first off, you know, when you think about search, we we have data that shows us like 73% of, Patients prefer to schedule appointments online, right? They just like that, that yeah. preference. They, you know, they say they're they're more likely to book online, you know, sixty plus percent of the time if there's a, an online booking widget versus having to call somebody. They they really look at reviews as a as another referencing point to say like, is this a like social proof, right? Is this a real you know practice that I would want to go to? Just like you'd make any other you know consumer related buying decision today. And so 70% of, of patients look at reviews when, when choosing a healthcare provider. Um, you know, wow. there's 69% of patients won't even consider a provider that's under a 4.0 in ratings. Uh, no so they're, they're using that to make the decisions. And then where it's really dramatically changed is their, their use and adoption of text. So, you know, basically now, you know, roughly high 60s you know, percent of of patients want to interact in a consumer-like way using text. Um, they say mm-hmm. that they get frustrated when they're, they're unable to use text over 50% of the time. So their, their adoption of text, they, they, you know, their adoption of filling out com- completing forms online, uh, again, over 60% of them would prefer that mechanism versus going in and filling out a traditional uh, board. And then telehealth has been, you know, obviously a big, you know, change, right? That they're mm. way more open to interacting uh, with their physician through, you know, a virtual means. And right. uh, we've, we've seen data that tells us that, you know, 80% of, of patients that had a telehealth visit were satisfied with the experience. So you kind of think back, you know, a year, two years ago, pre-COVID and the idea of like meeting with your doctor virtually was probably like, I know. like that it's they, true. Would, and they would not it's compare it to be crazy millennial as, idea. Yeah. As, <laughs> as great of an experience. And now 80% of them are saying that experience was as, as good as if I had gone into the practice. So yeah. uh, it, what we're seeing is, is COVID really accelerated the, the consumerization of healthcare. 
Yeah. Like the, new, the, the new standard has been set. Uh, and I think that's that's you know one of the big key messages for anybody that's listening that's a that's a practice like patients expect it it's the it, it and if you don't provide it they will change they will look for other alternatives mm-hmm. um, and you know it's it's something that's hard for for some physicians that you know have have not embraced technology to think about that as you know a way that they need to do business. But their patients have spoken. Their patients want to be serviced that way. They don't want to be waiting in rooms. They don't want to be waiting on the phone. <clears throat> they they want to be interacted and, and kept in the loop. They want easy ways to confirm appointments and, and reschedule appointments. Uh, it's ease of use, and they and they're using reviews as the primary mechanism to determine whether they should should or should not go to a doctor. And right. you know, a lot of these physicians don't invest heavily in, you know promoting their reviews uh, because they don't understand that's where patients go for, for advice. That's interesting. You say that because I've noticed that myself, even, you know, looking for healthcare for a new pediatrician or a new, you know, primary care person, we've changed health insurance a couple of times, which drives that type of, you know, research. And yeah, the, the reviews do matter. They do matter. And I think you're right. The adoption piece is higher. I've done two hella health visits myself for, um, a dog bite on my arm, which is now, which is now healed. And then my daughter got, uh, you know, I had some like swelling, weird swelling on her finger, both were telehealth prescribed medication picked up from the pharmacy and it was, you know, problem solved. And it took a big burden off my mind too, right? Going in during COVID and not being sure how safe that was in the early days, especially when we didn't really know much about the virus and everybody was freaked out about transmission. So, um, so yeah, I totally agree with you when, you know, one thing I've noticed as well is sometimes the doctors and the physicians don't change their ways as fast as their clients, their patients, the people sure. that use their services, right? Like <clears throat> people that use their services are using text and telehealth now. And some physicians may not be making those changes. So they're missing out on opportunity. So I got to imagine with your team coming in, you can actually help guide the the practice in the right direction saying, Hey, this is what the market's doing. This is what people are doing in healthcare who are looking for doctors, providers, dentists. So you got to be aware of that um, because you're going to be left behind. That's right. Yeah. And it's, you know, the thing that I really like about our, our company is everything we do is, is patient and practice led, right? We only build technology based on the feedback we're getting from the market. You know, it's not self-serving. It's like, okay, the market's telling us, they want to interact through text. Let's make sure text is resident in everything we do. Mark is telling us that reviews matter more than anything. Um, so we're we're gathering that feedback constantly. And the idea is we're not just telling the practices this is what they need to do. We're providing a comprehensive solution that we do it for them. And they don't have to go shopping to five different places. Like, okay, well, you know, there, there are a lot of point solutions out there. There's a re- review solution, there's an online booking solution, there's a, you know, a texting solution, there's a, you know, a website solution. But then, you know, they need to figure out how to pull all that together, along with, by the way, their clinical solution, their billing solution, their payroll solution. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot. Um, so is a if, lot. if we can come in and not only educate them, but say, here's how you can use this, you know, comprehensive solution. And you may not use it all day one. You, you may use pieces and parts, but it's all there for you and will help you wire that to get it to, uh, to, to level that you need to, in order to use it. Well, one of the things we always like to do at the end of a, of a show is ask for a nugget or piece of advice you can give the audience to someone that's either looking as a physician, looking for how to increase 
patient traffic, or maybe even a person who wants to learn from your personal experience, someone that's passionate about marketing, passionate about startups, what can you leave behind for the audience today? Yeah, I mean, I would just reinforce a lot of what I already said. I, I would just reinforce the fact that, you know, the first and foremost place that patients look for, you know, to find a, a practice and find a solution for a medical problem is online. Um, and so you have to have an online digital presence to tell your story, to represent who you are and what you have to offer to the community. Uh, again, it's it's not self-serving. It's the community needs it and they want you. They just they, they need to see you in the way that they they search. You need to have, you know, and invest in, you know, reputation management. You need to know that your brand, you know, your your Google reviews and other reviews on other social media is representative of the quality of work, uh, services you provide to your patients. You, know, you need to embrace the the newer you know, means of technology. Text is the default. Like patients want to engage through you know a digital medium that is easy, efficient, uh, and and on their schedule and on their time, not in a waiting in a queue online uh, or I'm sorry on over the phone. So yeah. the, these are yet maybe you know intimidating and a bit scary. They're there, they're relevant, and they're patient driven. And if you want to meet your patients where they're at. Um, then you really need to, to to kind of embrace you know where the world's going, and this is no different than any other industry. Every other industry right. went through this. It just help, happens to be healthcare is uh, is a bit lagging, um, you know. But now is the time. Like COVID's telling us that you know the patients during COVID, I should say, are telling us that uh, they want this and they expect it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if people want to learn more, where can they go uh, to learn more about Patient Pop and what you guys do? Yeah, simply you can go to patientpop.com. Uh, you know, all the information is of how we offer our solutions, how, you know, case studies for, you know, for practices that we've impacted over the years um, are all there and relevant. And then if you want to engage with somebody, uh, there's a, a number of opportunities you can engage through chat. As we talked about before, it's like an immediate interaction point. Uh, you can uh, you can contact us through uh, a contact form and somebody will reach out to you. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for your time, David. Look forward to uh, keeping in touch and looking forward to uh, hearing more as we go through this journey on our podcast. Thank you, everyone, as well. And as Al- as everyone says, uh, great to hear smiling voices, everyone. Alex, anything else <laughs> for the audience before we jump off? No, that's been fantastic. Thanks so much, David, for being on. I think this has been really great. So really appreciate you coming on today. Well, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I just love to, to talk about our story and get to know other people. So thanks for what you do. It certainly is making a difference. Excellent. Everyone uh, out there listening, feel free to, uh, to like and subscribe and uh, continue listening to KPP podcasts. And we've got plenty of more coming out uh, on the airways here soon. So thanks for listening and uh, we'll, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at KPP Podcast. If you'd like to be on the show or know someone who would make a great guest, feel free to reach out. Hope to see you next time.